This is The Sidebar, a podcast of the New York Association of Black Journalists. In this episode, we look at business journalism as a career option from the perspective of three black journalists who have already excelled at their careers. And as we do so, we'll be tapping into their wealth of experience about what it takes to succeed as a business journalist, plus some useful tips about how to improve our own personal finances. Welcome NYABJ to our business journalism panel. Um, we plan on discussing today getting into the field of business journalism, personal finances, financial literacy, um, and the art of the side hustle. So like what to do, how to make your money work for you. Um, before we get into all that stuff, I am putting a link in the chat here. That is for NABJ's business task force. If you guys are interested, that is the link. Um, get in there. It's with NABJ, the National Odyssey Association of Black Journalists. We are the New York chapter. So um, I'm Benita Salstrey, the president of the New York chapter. I am going to kick it over to Victoria L. Chapman. Um, she's a member of our programming committee. Um, she's also an award-winning um, and Emmy-nominated television producer, writer with more than 400 hours um, of broadcast programming to her credit. She has um, was a founding vice chair for NABJ's Art and Entertainment Task Force and in the 90s and has covered red carpets for E as well as worked with BET, VH1. Um, Victoria began her career, however, as a business journalist. So she knows what she's talking about here. That's why she's doing this. Um, first as a staff writer for the Nashville Business Journal, then later as a newscaster slash writer for Dow Jones, uh, and Dow Phone Division, and then as part of the launch team for CNBC. She currently works as a producer um, in post-production for A&E um, Network. So Victoria, I'm gonna mute myself and take my uh, video off and let you take it over from here. Okay, great. Thank you, Benita. And um, we have a fabulous panel. Um, group of ladies to hear to share their backgrounds in covering the business world and um, how we, the importance of our covering the business world, as well as how we can um, start to navigate toward that, as well as a little bit on our own personal finances and, and how to uh, move forward in that area as well. Um, uh, first, I'm going to kick it off with a quick round robin. We have Valerie Coleman Morris, Jennifer Streaks, and Diane King Hall, but I'm not going to go into all of your bios. You can kind of wrap that up a little bit yourselves um, in, in, in the process of answering. Um, starting off with a quick round robin, Valerie, can you give us a little bit about your background and what you've covered in the world of business? My background is starting with the fact that I'm an Air Force kid. Uh, we call ourselves an Air Force brat for certain reasons. Not that we're bad, but that we're always in the midst of things. And so military life was my start in life. And therefore, I was a global citizen long before it was popular. Um, I graduated from a university um, in Montana, having lived in Tokyo, Japan. That's what happens with military families. I went to school to become a doctor. I was a pre-med student. I had one chemistry exam, which, and I was a very good student, I flunked. And my professor wrote on my exam, 
you should follow your passion. Because even though I didn't know any of the answers, I wrote a complete essay on why I thought socialized medicine was the way of the future. And I was going to be OBGYN and somebody else could do chemistry. He said, that was creative and I should do my passion. He gave me a C. I changed from pre-med to journalism. You want to know more? You can ask me more later, but let's round robin the other ladies. Okay. Um, Jennifer, how did you uh-huh. see covering business? Um, did you seek it out or did it find you? Well, it actually found me. After spending most of my 20s in school, I have a JD and an MBA. I was working for companies such as KPMG and Lake Mason in their compliance department. And then when the housing debacle happened, there were so many people actually reaching out to me asking, what should we be doing? How should we handle debt? And I actually ended up writing for the Huffington Post, making several appearances on HuffPost Live and moving on to uh, US News and World Reports. And then that took me over to Black Enterprise where I started covering the mortgage beat, how to buy a home the right way, how to handle credit card debt and deal with retirement. And the next thing you know, I was with uh, CNBC. They sought me out and you know hired me on the spot and wanted me covering women and money, culture and money and uh, credit card debt. And then I moved over to uh, Forbes, where I did tech and money. Everything has a money bent for me. And now I am with Insider as their senior investing reporter, where I'm once again covering money, housing, credit card debt, and retirement. Okay, thank you. Um, Diane. That's a neat question you asked about whether it found you or you found it. Um, I think a little bit of both for me with regard to business journalism. Uh, A mentor of mine suggested I go into journalism. I had a brief, very brief stint working in nonprofit work and you can move up fast um, and then I was burnt out. And when I was a kid, I did want to be a journalist and I'd gone away from that. And so she suggested it. I took a course at NYU, jumped right into it and got, I did a bunch of networking to find my first job. Um, and that's quotes because my first uh, paid role was as a summer associate at Bloomberg, which is translation paid intern. And the only reason I took that job at the time was because it paid. <laughs> and other entry-level journalism jobs as an intern were not paying. So I kind of it found me, but then my heart fell in love with it at a certain point. And I see it as my vocational calling because when it comes to our community in particular, I wanna address the spirit of poverty within our community. So I am particularly passionate about personal finance. Yes, I cover kind of the you know broad subjects within the world of finance. You know, I've usually often been based down on Wall Street at the stock exchange. Uh, and have learned a lot, and I've learned on the job. I have a certificate in financial planning now as well. Um, But just to quickly uh, summarize, I went from Bloomberg to working for a production company with uh, shows on employment on PBS. Then I freelanced for CNN and Reuters. And then I went to New York One. And in 2017, I joined CBS uh, as the Money Watch correspondent which that tends to be more consumer focused uh, with some markets sprinkled in. So that's the short of it. 
Okay, um, I'm going to follow up with you, Diane, but um, any you can all piggyback. When you started covering business, was there anything that you were surprised to learn or that you didn't initially know or realize? Uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a well-educated family. However, um, personal finance is a subject that we severely lack knowledge in within my family. You know, for as educated as my, like, we shouldn't have, this is not like an entitlement thing. We shouldn't have been poor. I grew up poor. And I'm not saying that as a, you know, I mean, I'm talking Ivy League degrees in my family. You know, there's not enough knowledge about um, business news. So yeah, everything was new to me. Learning about, yes, I knew about, like I knew the term stocks and, you know, I knew some terms, but Bloomberg was one of those places that you, you know, they have Bloomberg University and they just train you really on everything. So you're learning about stocks slash equities, same, same thing, basically. Uh, and it helps just to kind of demystify the jargon that you hear on Wall Street. The other thing I learned from working on Wall Street is a lot of these guys are learning on the job too, you know? So, you know, like I wouldn't be scared if I'm someone kind of thrown into that environment. I've literally, I've had a trader come up to me before and say, hey, you got any ideas he meant about like what he should trade? He's asking me that question. In theory, he shouldn't be asking me that question, but that shows that people are just people. And so all of this is, you know, new information that we can, we can learn. So you're learning constantly in finance, you know, whether it's stocks, uh, bonds. I mean, think about crypto. That's very new. I, personally, I haven't even scratched the surface of that. I'm trying to understand that myself, crypto, blockchain, all that kind of terminology. So I would say, you know, in the beginning, it was learning about stocks, which is something I know pretty well now. Now it's like trying to learn this whole new language about crypto. Okay. Yeah, I would like to add, um, let me fill in just a little bit about how I got started. I told the story about going from pre-med into journalism and then paused because I think it's really important for everyone who is joining us in this conversation to know that you have two panelists who are steeped in money. They wanted to know it from a long time ago. You have great credentials. And then there's the journalist, period. Not financial journalist yet. So I had to learn everything on the job because the way that I moved from television news anchor, reporter, to financial news was when Lou Dobbs called my agent and said, we're starting CNN Financial Network. He liked my work. He said, I have plenty of numbers crunchers. I need someone who can have living room conversations with people about money. That's what I did. So mine is the first step on the financial literacy food chain. That's what I do. And therefore, I'm able to do the stories that people everywhere are just saying, how do I figure it out? How do I do that? What do you mean about bank fees? And I think one of my favorite stories was the one that I did that had a banner that said, your goal with taxes is no refund. And I explained why. That's the way that I approach it. But I love to know the two sisters who are so steeped in what they did and how they built it, I think 
that is the critical sweet sauce to what we're all doing, which is speaking money to our community in terms and ways that they understand. Okay. Um, speaking of that, um, there are many different facets to covering business. Um, personally, I started out profiling business, um, people up and coming in the business world, doing top 20 lists. Who owns the block? Different parcels of property. I then ended up with a transportation beat. And so there's covering industry, there's consumer, there's finance, there's startups, which is huge right now. Um, Jennifer, what advice would you give to those out there looking to move into this field and find their niche? Well, I think what you said about finding your niche is correct. For me, when everything started in 2008, I really started to realize that people don't know enough about money. And I even started to see that in my own family. And so I said, why are you underwater in your home? Why are you carrying credit card debt? Like that's a normal thing. Why are we still doing so much with student loan debt? And so that's sort of the path that I took. And that's really what I did when I first got to Black Enterprise. And so it was a personal move for me. I saw how I had a cousin of mine that lost their house during the whole housing debacle. And so for me, I think that if you follow what you're truly passionate about, it comes easy to you. I found that in my career, each step that I took sort of flowed to me because I was following what my niche truly was and what I was really interested in. And you see that in my writing. And so for anyone that wants to start on this path, I would say really think about what you want to cover, what comes easy to you, what you want to learn about, and what your voice is going to be in that area. Okay. Um, I also want to follow up with you because you indicate you specialize in putting a real face on economic issues. Mm -hmm. Explain that. I think for me, breakfast table topics, credit cards, how am I going to have groceries this week? Gas is going up, inflation, things of that nature. That is what people are talking about. The stock market is great. If you have money to invest, that's wonderful. But right now, when we're looking at inflation, increasing interest rates, gas prices, chicken and eggs are going up every week, people are not as focused on the stock market as they are in taking care of their own households right now. And so when I'm talking, whenever I've been on a te television segment, I make sure that I speak to that segment of the population because no one is. When you turn on MSNBC or CNN, they want to say, oh, the market is volatile. And well, what does that mean? How do you break that down to the everyday person that says, I'm standing at the gas pump and I'm paying $100 to fill up my gas tank? You have to break these concepts down to where the everyday person figures out how it affects them. Because if they don't think it affects them, they're not going to pay attention to it. When you see individuals that don't have enough in savings, it's because we have not communicated to them that saving is important, that you need to make saving a habit. When you see individuals that are walking around in constant credit card debt, it's because we have not communicated to them that that is not how you handle your finances. The goal is not to have credit card debt. That is not a normal thing. And so for me, it's really important that I talk to that segment of the population. And oftentimes, 
there are people that they are people that look like me. And that's also why it's very important to me. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dan. (laughs) Now you report on an array of topics very early in the morning. How do you and your team decide which stories you're going to cover? And how do you get statements and interviews so early in the morning? in the morning if we're getting an interview it's usually recorded say the day before or something like that because I you know I call it stupid o'clock in the morning uh, because usually what had had been my time is I have to be in at you know around two in the morning Uh, so it's difficult to find someone awake at that time Uh, so if it's a statement sometimes you know you can you'll email the press person, you'll expect to get a statement later in the shift, you know, Um, uh, or you can check Twitter. Nowadays we have social media, so you can check social media to see if the company put out a statement on social media, or if they may have even put out a statement on their site, some of them do that now. So that's where you're gonna find like a statement on something that happened. Uh, And, you know, uh, again, if you're doing an interview, that's, you're usually kind of, some news you know that it's going to happen. So you have an idea of like a report that's gonna come out. So you do, an, you may pre-tape an interview on the subject and kind of you know ask the person that you're speaking to to talk generally about the subject. And hopefully it still applies. If it doesn't, it's dead and you can't use it. Um, and, and then in terms of subjects that we pick, it's usually what's top of mind for the day uh, we usually do, uh, we'll hit markets, uh, but generally we're not doing a deep dive. It's not CNBC. Um, and then a couple, like if it's a day an inflation report is coming out, you're hitting the inflation report. I'm, for me personally, I come from the angle that's similar to Jennifer. I try to break it down in consumer friendly terms. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. not CPI. I'm going to say the cost of living rose in America. The cost of living shot up to the highest level in 40 years, you know, so that people understand that's what we're talking about. When someone hears now, I think people understand the term inflation more because once upon a time, people's eyes used to glaze over hearing that word. What does inflation? I used to not know what that means. What does inflation mean? I remember that is something my mom explained to me years ago. So uh, you just said CPI, so you don't. People may yeah. not know what CPI yeah. stands. For. People might not know what CPI stands for. Consumer Price Index. For anyone who's listening, who's wondering what that is. Uh, it's something that if you did become a, a business journalist or are already and are unsure of what that means, um, it's something that you want to pay attention to. It's a government report that comes out that measures inflation. It's considered the, you know, most, uh, it's kind of the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, not the benchmark, but that's usually the one, that's the main reference point. There are other gauges of inflation, but that's the one that they pay attention to the most. And we as consumers pay attention to that as well. So anyway, so it might be inflation, jobs report, or a weekly jobs report, whether it's the monthly granddaddy jobs report or the weekly jobs report. So that is, you know, uh, we're not spending all day on tickers. Um, if it's a stock story that's consumer friendly, like say a Peloton or Amazon, something like that, we're gonna talk about that. Um, we do talk about consumer stuff that I don't love as much, but it's a group effort. I don't love as much because I don't want to tell everybody, oh, run to the store, get the latest iPhone. Don't do that if it's not in your budget. <laughs> but we do have this hit on that it's coming out, you know? <laughs> so I'll, I'll stop there because I don't. Okay. Um, now, Valerie, 
what's the best way for journalists to start building their network and gain sources for their stories? Oh, be consistent, uh, be before they think about it, make sure you know what their sweet spots are and let them know that you are the one that has the answers to it. Um, I think that it can go, I build community resources and they let me know what is happening in the, in the community that is of concern to them. So my resources are oftentimes small business people, um, teachers, um, other people in the community who have a sense of what needs need to be purchased and if they can't be purchased, how can they collectively been achieved? Um, my background tends to be that education is the answer to almost any question that I have. And I try and encourage my listeners and viewers. I did both radio and television. So there was the opportunity to be able to say things to people more clearly, just like Jennifer and Diane were saying about you can't use certain, you can't say CPI, or you can't say this without really explaining it. Radio helps you to explain things more than television, because television can sometimes say, here's the chart, here's the this, and then you don't necessarily do the due diligence that you need to make sure that that is explained in a good, comprehensive way. Did I answer enough of what you asked me? Um, yes, but I'd like to see if the other ladies could weigh in a little bit on how you um, cultivate your sources and networks as well, just quickly. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, right now I use uh, social media, LinkedIn, Twitter is really good. If I have a story where I am looking for a specific expert, I might put out a call for it on either one of those networks. And I also rely on individuals that I've met when I was in my compliance days too. Okay, Diane? So I'll echo what Jennifer said about social media. I've found a lot of uh, mm -hmm. folks in finance on Twitter. They're huge on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also often working at the stock exchange, I can just grab one of the guys to talk about a subject. Um, or some of them I've, I've, you know, just known for years. So I'll have their information and say, Hey, can you either, can you meet me at the stock exchange or can you do a, a zoom now? <laughs> you know, um, so that helps and it, it helps to cultivate those sources because sometimes they'll reach out to me and say, Hey, this journalist reached out to me. Should I talk to them? Mm -hmm. So that gives you a little bit of, uh, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for. I lost the word. Insight I don't want to say power, but yes, <laughs> influence. Like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. Um, okay, I know people are going to are interested in actually earning money a little bit on the side hustle, but I want um, to ask real quickly. It can be hard um, for us sometimes as journalists of colors in the newsroom. What are some tips for succeeding or even getting promoted, getting ahead? Anybody, any takers? Um, I think what's worked for me is being consistent. In my head, I always say, you know, you're not going to outwork me. 
And so, and that's how I come to any position I've ever been in. I mean, you know, I've been up, like Diane says, she has to be in the studio at, you know, two o'clock in the morning. I've been working on stories to four o'clock in the morning. You've got to be that person that in their mind, they're going to call. You know, they're going to know you're either going to get on the story or you have someone that can help them um, put together the story. You've got to somehow be that go-to person. Your work has got to be flawless when you're sending in articles to your editor. You know, I've read a piece 10, 15 times just to make sure that everything is where it needs to be. And just being consistent, that work ethic and flawless work. Any other takers? Okay. Um, now, like I said, in this economy, many of us want to make sure that we're growing personally. Can have you speak to um, the importance of having a side hustle or a second business? I can. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll add on after you. Okay. Okay. I think now um, more than ever, a side hustle is important, even if it's uh, reading manuscripts, writing resumes, uh, driving for Lyft, you know, that extra income is going to to serve you well. I just finished a piece on uh, building an emergency fund. And the first thing that you hear people say is, I don't have any extra money to save. Well, then maybe you you have to make extra money. I mean, and that's what it's coming to. COVID-19 really showed us that life is unpredictable. You know, jobs are unpredictable. You may have to quit for whatever reason. You want to have extra income. It's really important. Uh, So I'll jump in. Yeah. So when, so gosh, what, uh, this is probably, it's more than 10 years ago now, but Mm -hmm. when I was working on tackling debt, every kind of debt, including student loans, because often there's this concept of there's good debt and there's bad debt. Debt is debt in my mind, you know? And so I was working as a freelance journalist uh, at the time. And I got serious about my personal debt because I said, I can't keep talking about this stuff and not actually be, so I'm being very transparent right now, be applying it. Uh, And so I just got really serious about paying off everything. There's there's a scripture in the Bible that really hit home for me. Oh, I'm I'm gonna paraphrase it because now I don't remember. Basically, oh, nothing to no man. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, everything everything and so what i i did any side hustle you so i was still working as a journalist i was like please don't let anybody know me at the time (laughs) there was like no like lyft or uber yet or yeah it wasn't because this was before oh nine and i think they launched in like oh nine um and so just anything that i'm trying i even i remember like my mentor like he um he like had me babysit his kids one day. I was like, yes, I'll do it. He didn't have to give me any money for it. But he, I think also just being open to doing anything and being serious about it, like just brought me different opportunities. I mean, I was doing some admin work that was so humbling for me and nothing is wrong with admin work. I think any, you know, legal job is right. worthwhile, <laughs> uh, is absolutely worthwhile, but it wasn't what I wanted to do, you know, but I was like, but this is my bigger goal, 
you know, besides uh-huh. just being a journalist and working and journalism wasn't doing enough to pay for everything. So I was hustling. And I think that helped me not just in terms of get, yes, I got out of debt and paid off everything. I mean, I had even owed money to the IRS because of not paying, like, because I had heard somebody told me, you know, if you're freelance, like you can write off everything. That's not true. You cannot write off everything. Everything, right. (laughs) And so... I, when I say I owed everybody, I owed everybody. <laughs> Uncle Sam is the worst person to yeah, owe. Yeah, like is the worst, the worst. person to owe. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, just like the I mafia. I was so scared. I was like, I'm going to go to jail. I didn't, I definitely didn't owe enough to go to jail. Okay. But I thought, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> okay. It was enough to make you scared enough. Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. but I also had an epiphany around that time because I remember calling the IRS and asking, you know, um, if I could be on some kind of plan. And I remember thinking right before I got on the, the call, you know, something like, oh man, maybe I'm just always going to be in debt. And I remember like just having an epiphany I felt like I honestly felt like it was like God like who told you that Hmm. and that kind of question changed my thinking and the person I got on the line with he said and I was 1099 employee and he said to me some of our wealthiest clients are 1099 I love that he called them clients you know we're Hmm. taxpayers and it just really shifted my thinking and made me because I think it starts with a thought you know, um, you have to think differently about this, you know, so not just covering the subject matter, but applying the knowledge that you're gaining to your own personal life. Mm-hmm. So side hustles are important, whatever it is now that you can, you know, do to make extra money, do it. Like Jennifer said, Lyft, Uber, you know, sell some stuff on Poshmark, you know, yeah. why not? You know, I, I want to get back to the freelancing a little bit later on, but uh, just something you said real quickly. Dr. King said, no work is insignificant. All labor that uplifts humanity has dignity and importance and should be understood painstaking excellence. That's so right. don't, there's no shame in whatever work game you got going on. Um, uh, Valerie, for those who don't have a second job or time to work or create one, what's one of your most important um, personal finance job um, tips? A couple. And I, if I could just uh, make a comment on side hustle, just so you all know, speakers bureaus are also a side hustle that can be extremely lucrative. So I just wanted to make sure that I added that. The other thing that this little side hustle that helps is anybody who's really good with QuickBooks, Mm-hmm. Make sure you put that out there. It's always a really good thing to do ahead of tax time because then you can enter QuickBooks for a person. They then, what, it's 20 minutes worth to send and get your taxes done. So those are just two little quick mm-hmm. side hustle things that I thought would be relevant. Um, it's important to me that I mention my epiphany in money Two things. One, when I came back from overseas as a kid and I tried to buy a soda and I didn't know American money, I knew pound shillings and pence. And I remember my cousins laughing and pointing at me. And that was the point that I said I would never, ever, ever be embarrassed about money again. Mm -hmm. So 
that was a huge thing. The other thing was the mindset side hustle is what I have focused mm. on because I am now, I'm retired. So as you all are talking about in the midst of your careers and you know LinkedIn and all of those other things that I did, I mm -hmm. took back from those things so that I could then focus on what I call my rear view mirror mentality about money. And that is making sure nobody ever runs past an opportunity for education. And this is based on something that my dad said to me. He would always say, Valerie, what's wrong with looking in the rear view mirror? Nothing is wrong with it. But what happens if you look in the rear view mirror for too long? Everybody would think he was talking about you'll have an accident. He wasn't. He was talking about you will run past opportunities because you're working with the mentality and mindset of what you knew, what you thought you didn't know, or what you think you know now. So the rear view mirror is kind of my way of looking at personal finance and hoping that that at least sets people, whether you are a consumer of it, you're a narrator of it, whatever it is, make sure that those things are in your mind so that you can positively move forward, enriched and not falling the okay. All right. Diane, I'm going to double back to you about freelancing. What are some tips that you can give from for freelancers in managing their income, especially if you're in like a feast or famine type of circumstance? So in your feast um, period, you have to save. Uh, uh -huh. I, you know, I, that was where I learned the hard way initially. Because I, when I started freelancing, I got a ton of work, ton of work, and then I hit famine zone, and I hadn't experienced that before. So if you are in your, if you're getting a ton of work right now, for anyone who is on this chat right now, and you're a freelancer, save, you know, save more than the ten percent. That you know, it's kind of the rule of thumb. Uh, make sure you're also setting aside money for your taxes, uh, and you know, like make sure you're setting aside. I don't know, like you should set aside, I don't know what your tax bracket is, but definitely set aside more than 10% for your taxes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I would say, and you just, you have to, I mean, number one, you want to have your emergency savings set up. You want to save at least three months of living expensive expenses. But if you're freelance, ideally you want to go to six months just in case, just in case, because, you know, hopefully you won't be between jobs that much, but even, but let's say you're getting, you know, one day a week or one assignment that just lasts you a certain amount of time, and then it's dry the next month. You want to make sure that your bills are covered for the next few months, ideally, if necessary, because, you know, if you're freelance, it is, it can be feast or famine. And when you hit that famine zone, if you're not you don't want to have to be setting up a GoFundMe. You know, we don't want to do that. Ideally, I'm not saying that that's, well, I, I prefer us not to have to do that. Just, you know. Understood, yeah. definitely. I mean, I understand people hit hard times. All of us have had hard times in life and that happens. And, you know, you may need to go to family or whatever. You do what you need to do. But once you have this knowledge and once you're getting work again, save, save as much as possible. Um, and I know we didn't, I think we're going to get to this later, actually. I'm, I'm going to hold off on that. 
but save is my biggest tip save more than 10 percent or during your feast well we are going to um i do have a question about that and jennifer are there any resources or programs that you think are good for saving or goal setting well, the first thing that you have to do before you even think about like really good, really good app is Mint. They really help you track your money and your spending, but you really have to sit down and create a budget. That is first and foremost, and really figure out how you spend your money. You will see your relationship with your money in black and white. If you sit down and just create a budget, you're honest with yourself, you see what's coming in and most importantly, what is going out. And then that way you move from there. Once you create the budget and you see how you're spending, you see what you're wasting money on. Are you eating out three times a week? Are you, do you have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, you know, just the whole list of these, you know, apps and whatnot. You will see where you can cut spending so that you can save more money. So your first and foremost thing to do is to create a budget first. Okay. And Diane, doubling back to you, members interested in investing, what are some, what are some th- tips that you can share? So I would say make sure you're taking, if you are staff somewhere, make sure you're taking advantage of your 401k or 403b. Make sure you're, you know, investing in that. Um, and if you feel like it's, if you're worried about, this is what I usually recommend. If you're worried about like, uh, how am I going to, you know, you feel like you're not, you're taking home less. I mean, yes, you are taking home less, but you're preparing for the future. So start with a smaller percentage. You don't have to start with the 10%. I know that is the rule of thumb, but I like to tell people that to start kind of building the muscle because just like going to the gym, you have to build the muscle. So start with the percentage that's going to at least get you the match from your employer and then add another percent the next paycheck and then add another percent the next paycheck. So that way you don't feel the sting as much, um, you know, as if you haven't been doing it um, and then just make sure you max it out if you, you know, if you have been doing it. So invest in your 401k, your 403b, make sure at a minimum you're getting your company match. Um, if you don't have that, I recommend doing, whether it's an IRA or a Roth IRA, just pick one. To me, it doesn't matter. Just pick one, you know, uh, and you can start off small. You don't have to have this, you know, just a buttload of money to start with that, you know, to start investing. I'm not going to do individual stocks like recommendations. One, I shouldn't do that as a journalist. Um, number two, you know, you have to be careful with that because if you're not like a stock picker, a day in and day out stock picker, you can get burned. You may have your great, you know, you may have your really bad one. So I'm not going to get into that. If people want to play with that, that's, you know, you know, that's you pick that based on what your personal plan is, your trajectory. I do believe it starts with what Jennifer said, you know, you need to have a budget uh, and then at a minimum, take advantage of your company matching your 401k or 403b. Okay. And maybe go to index fund or something like that. Uh, I agree with all of those things. I also think it's important that you identify what your triggers are for Mm -hmm. spending. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes it can be very emotionally uh, motivated and we've all probably done it. You know, you feel real bad something bad happens, don't you want to go out and treat yourself to something? So I always suggest that, yeah, give yourself a small controlled treat, but understand what your spending triggers are 
when it comes to investing, yeah, we can't say what stocks people should buy, but I will say, what do you use? You might look at those companies as if you like the product and others like the product, it may be worth looking at that. Incremental works. I think that it's important also that we not feel we have to know everything there is to know about it. Know what is important for you personally to know and then expand a little more. So if we're talking the individuals, those of you on the call who are individually saying, what can I do? But then those who as journalists are gonna be writing about those things, it's similar, incremental works. Take a small sliver of something you wanna explain and I think people can digest that better than saying, here's the whole pie and you need to know it all. Because what will happen is if we don't change that mindset, I think people tend not to do anything at all because paralysis analysis will get you. Instead, make one step. It seems too big otherwise. Um, now, when it comes to tax time, are there any tips or tricks that um, we should know about, Valerie? Oh, absolutely. The number of people who say, I want a big refund, because when I get a big refund, then I put it in savings. How much of that ever reaches savings? So I think it is really important to try and not owe anything, not get anything back. You can make those adjustments, go in and look, talk. This is the other reason that I say people need to spend money in order to make money. We all need financial advisors. I don't do all of this on my own. I don't have all of the answers that I need. So I think it's important to find the right financial advisor who can help you reach the goals that you have set and the goals that you wanna reach. Other than that, paying it forward. What you know, share it with somebody else so that it can spread the love. Okay. Um... One quick round robin before um, we open up the floor to um, questions. Um, everyday people don't often think business news matters, at least not to them. Please explain how it does, why it's important, and why it's important for us as Black journalists to make sure we are in there and telling these stories. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Jennifer, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. I will say with minorities, I think for so long, they didn't see enough of us reporting business news. Number one, representation matters. Also, when you realize that business news is important, how it affects your money, it does affect your everyday. And once you realize that, you start paying attention. You start understanding how to make moves with your money. You might understand how to start a business of your own. And it really does, it can put you on a path for financial independence. I mean, it's one sort of an example are the, um, the PP loans that came out during COVID. Everyone ran to get these PP loans. I think that there was, you know, sort of like a lack of understanding and we're gonna start seeing the fallout from that. But when you made this information available to everyone, you had so much access you had people that had legitimate businesses. You had African-Americans, minorities that had legitimate businesses that were able to access this money and keep their businesses afloat during a major pandemic. Business news is important. It impacts everyone. And I do think 
We need to keep moving with the diversity and inclusion and, uh, endeavors and making sure that representation matters and that there are more of us reporting on business news because once they see more of us, they will take the fact that it is important and that it, and that it affects them. Okay, um, I'm not sure if we lost Valerie. Um, Diane. So I do wanna echo what Jennifer was saying about representation matters. I think that helps um, someone who is watching or reading something that mm -hmm. we're writing or talking about uh, to say, oh, that person, okay, let me, you know, they look like they, they, they look like me. They come from my community. Let me actually pay attention to that. Um, I think that has helped. I think that the industry could do better about representation, mm -hmm. like to Jennifer's point about um, the DEI initiatives that we're seeing. Um, I love that they're happening. I'd love to see more application of it. You know, there needs mm -hmm. to be more of us in these rooms. Um, I like when I go to events that bring together journalists and then business journalists as a sect of that, but I still feel like there's not enough. And I noticed that, for instance, when I'm at like the financial follies, there's not as many of us in the room, you know? So um, I pre-pandemic, there seemed to be more, but I don't know if we lost some during the pandemic, um, but you know, uh, I just think that the industry could do better about that. And I think that why it's important is it, it does affect, you know, they say follow the money and you can find, you know, the reason behind say human trafficking it's money you know so um there are subjects that you think don't affect you and people are paying attention a little more once again now it's usually when there's some kind of pain point when people start paying attention more like the great recession mm -hmm. the pandemic and you know um and then now what's happening with regard to inflation and how it's affecting um food and gas but what's interesting jennifer that you talked about earlier with um with, you know, kind of talking to the average person. I was watching an interview on CNBC the other day with an executive from Walmart, and he was talking about how six-figure earners are now shopping there. Uh -huh. um, that shows you that the, you know, um, the rise of inflation, lack of a better way of expressing it, is affecting everyone, you know? Um, it also shows you that, you know, like, again, everyone is affected. And I think just, I think our industry could stand to benefit from more, even more diversity to see more, you know, black journalists in the room. Um, and I think seeing us helps, but we can do better. We don't need to be, you know, the only ones in there. So. <laughs> Okie doke. Come on. Uh, anyone who's coming? in the chat who's thinking about it, come on in. Okay. <laughs> We've got some questions. Um, First one, what's the best way to become financially literate? Um, many of us have never learned in school. How can we educate ourselves? Reading and watching um, different news outlets. Even if the terminology is unfamiliar to you, uh, pick up, you know, pick up the Wall Street Journal, watch, you know, watch the business networks, um, you know, watch CNBC, watch Bloomberg. It, again, the more you hear the terminology, go to Investopedia and look up words. Mm -hmm. Analysts do that. They literally go, I mean, I know, I've, again, I've been around these Wall Street guys enough to know they literally, if they don't know a word, they're going on Investopedia.com to find out what it means. So you go on Investopedia, you hear a word, write it down and look up what it means. Just like when you're learning, you know, just vocabulary growing up, you would look it up in the dictionary. 
Uh, so, you know, just watch and read. That's what, when I first started in the industry, I would just watch a bunch of, you know, well-known um, business journalists. Uh, and, you know, and you just start reading these papers. I liked marketwatch.com. I feel like that's very consumer friendly. Um, business Insider, you guys are like a lot behind a paywall now. So it's yes, we're, yes. We're struggling journalists to access that. <laughs> you know, once you reach your paywall on one, um, on one news organization, if you haven't paid for the service, move on to another one. Another one. <laughs> That's my tip. It's a tip. I'm getting down to one a- a- article a month these days. Exactly. Ridiculous. This up in one day. Okay. Um, and and the budget, what Jennifer said about keeping a budget, that's one way to become yes. financial. That's the basic. You don't need to have, you don't even have to use an app. You can do uh-huh. pen and paper. Pen and paper. Um, and sorry, you guys, I'm going to turn, it got really dark. So I'm going to turn on more than my ring light here. Bear with me. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to move on to what are some of the best, um, some business websites you, that you can recommend? You mentioned some oh. publications and, and news um, outlets, but. I mean, I would definitely say uh, you should have blackenterprise.com. That's where I really started. And especially being a minority, it's going to break down why this matters to you and our community. I think every day I'm on uh, the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, insider of course but i mean if you just really want something to start off with i would definitely say uh blackenterprise.com first and foremost okay and i would Um, just add the market watch because i think that's mm -hmm. consumer friendly they do stop i think they stop at nine articles i think that's their cap it may be less now it may be less now it may be they may be one of the (laughs) fours now but yeah, that's, yeah. that's one that I recommend that's very consumer friendly. And they're not like, I'm not, you know, that it's not preaching the Kool-Aid of CBS. They're not a part of CBS anymore. They used to be part of CBS, but they're not. Okay. okay. Now, um, we've all heard today, they're talking about student loan forgiveness, mm-hmm. extending it. What does that mean if one has student loans? Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're going to have to um, fill out the paperwork and have submit it and then they're going to review you know one of them is 20 grand if you use the Pell grant the other one is 10,000 if you make under a hundred and what is it twenty five thousand dollars a year so I think it's going to take a while for everyone to really for the for it to flesh out and for the process to really be totally revealed and made simple you know how it is when something first rolls out from the government it's going to be truncated and hard but eventually it'll, you know, we'll figure it out and you just have to fill out the paperwork. It's not like, I doubt that Navient is going to just call you and say, Hey, you know, you're eligible. They're probably not going to do that. Okay. (laughs) You know, you're going to have to stay on top of it and uh, get that benefit for yourself. If you're eligible, do it. If you figure out like, you know, I've saw, I've seen that, you know, like some of the, uh, um qualifications but just check and see if you match the qualifications if you do i know you know i've seen some people complaining about it's not enough it's something so take advantage of it uh-huh. exactly with zero yesterday <laughs> valerie i see you're back hey, everybody. Um, um i know you have a book and i think you also have a you have a radio um radio bit um, i did 
I had a radio podcast for many years. It is still on my website, which is ValerieCuomanMorris.com. Um, but yeah, I my book is It's Your Money, So Take It Personally. And it talks about all the things that we forgot during the recession. You know, those things like having a budget, making sure that you don't spend more than you make, um, understanding that you need that three to six months of, uh, you know, liquid money, not something that's tied up, but that money that you can access. Um, it also talks about basic things on ATMs, you know, foreign ATMs. I remember I had to do a whole chapter almost on that when it was the number of people who were saying they didn't realize or didn't understand why choosing a bank, you need to know what's near you, what has ATMs that you can use, otherwise you're spending money to get your own money. Mm -hmm. And it talks about retirement. And it suggests that retirement be something that you start thinking about in your 20s, mm -hmm. not in your 60s and 70s, because it is that magic of compounding, but it is also your dedication to saying, I'm putting something aside for me, for my future all the time. So again, even if it's a small amount, in my book, I say in your 20s, start saving for your retirement, start putting aside a certain amount of money. Um, because if you start thinking that way, then I think you will act that way. Right. Okay. Any other quickly round robin book recommendations? Book recommendations. Oh, um, smart women. I would say there's a really good book. It's on my shelf right now. It's called Smart Women Finish Rich. Mm -hmm. And it's um, yeah, targeted towards women. Uh, you know, there's a high percentage of single women that, you know, once they're, if they're divorced or their husbands die, they retire in poverty. And yeah. so I think that, you know, financial education that's targeted towards women is also a good thing. I'm a big fan of David Bach um, mm -hmm. books and himself is really, I, I like him, cool person. Mm -hmm. um, I've always liked Susie Orman. I know some people say, you know, some of her stuff is dated or, you know, but the principles are there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I agree. I think sometimes people think that Susie, you know, is chastising and that yes, doesn't work for everybody. Okay. Yeah, um, I agree. I, so agree. I think you have to find your own. I would like to throw out light bulb press, um, oh. It's a fabulous series of books, and they really are the Cliff's Notes of Finance, Light Bulb Press, written by B. Morris, but it's Virginia Morris, not Valerie Morris. But I had her on my shows many times, and they just are spectacular books, um, and all under $20, and about 60 pages with diagrams and all of that. It answers all of those basic questions. Great library. Okay, we're down to the last five minutes. Um, any quick final words? Quick round round. Um, I will. Yes. Black is beautiful, but being in the black is necessary. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the thought I'd like to leave with everyone because I think far, far too often, we don't remember the importance of being stable and having financial emancipation. So. Black is beautiful, 
but in the black is necessary. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, invest in an emergency fund. If you walk, you know, leave this Zoom and you start one thing, you take one tip, it would be that. You can start per paycheck, even if it's $25, $50 per paycheck, it adds up so quickly. Put it in an account that you cannot easily access, something that's not, you know, that's liquid, because that's going to be, that's going to give you comfort during hard times. So um, I don't have anything as eloquent as how Val put it, but Mm -hmm. I do agree with kind of both the sentiment of both Val and Jennifer about just having an emergency savings. I know some people, for instance, some people follow Dave Ramsey, which he talks about like, you know, tackling debt first. And I do think that is very, very important, but you do want to have a little bit of a cushion, you know, just in case an emergency happens. So, I mean, because emergencies do happen. I mean, there are deaths in the family, you know, medical issues, um, a car breakdown or something like that. So you need something, you know, um, you know, I know we say three to six months, but just start with, start with at least a month, you know, um, and then, and, and, you know, create a budget so you can start tackling your debt and your emergency savings, you know, um, you don't have to do everything all at once, you know, pick whichever, you know, road you want to go down. You can pick one, you can pick the other. It doesn't matter. You can pick, start on one road, switch to another road. Just stay on that road to financial freedom uh, because it will be both for you and you're creating a legacy for your family. And there will be speed bumps along the way and setbacks and that's okay. Just get back on the road. Okay, I want to thank you all. You have just shared so much wisdom and knowledge with us. Um, I want to encourage all of us to um, look at business news and the work that's being done around us with new eyes. And um, the numbers have real meaning in our lives, and we should be mindful of what role we can play in sharing that information and telling these stories to our community. We'd like to give a special thanks to our panel. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give The Sidebar a great review. A reminder that the views expressed in the episode belong to the individuals who made them and not to the New York Association of Black Journalists. For more information on NYABJ, please visit www.nyabj.org. Music is by Halizna Raps. <laughs>